for me that was really the defining moment of my career it just made me feel that we are doing something right wow i have literally have goosebumps right now Welcome to the inaugural episode of Fertility Tales powered by Nova IVF, a podcast designed especially for those seeking guidance and understanding on the journey of infertility treatment in India. Today, I'm honored to introduce our guest, Dr. Aviva Pinto Rodriguez, an IVF specialist at Nova IVF Fertility with an illustrious career spanning across 25 years in reproductive medicine. Dr. Aviva, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks, Sindhrit, and it's a pleasure to be here. I'm so happy to be part of this first episode of Fertility Tales. A hearty welcome. Doctor, uh, to begin with, I wanted to understand, um, how did you come about to become a doctor? Well, I'll be lying if I say that, you know, I always wanted to be a doctor. I come from a very large family. I'm the youngest of eight children, and my older brother was a doctor. And I did look up to him, but over the years, I was pretty good studies and at the top of my class and I did know I wanted to do something with my life but as I got into high school and then finally into PUC um, my mom actually was very keen that I do medicine uh, do dentistry because she thought it was a better line for women because you had fixed working hours and things like that but then at, after I finished my plus two I, I got the marks and I decided that I wanted to be a doctor so there was no moment that I want to do. It's just something that I got into and I've never had any regrets since. So doctor, uh, when you did choose medicine, how did you come about taking obstetrics and gynecology? That I think is because of my brother. He was the professor and head of uh, the, you know, the college he worked at and very inspirational, a very good teacher and I kind of, my choice was always between ENT and obstetrics and gynecology, but I think it kind of swayed more towards OBGYN because of it, yeah. Great. So, Dr. Raviva, how did you transition from obstetrics to infertility treatment? What inspired this vital moment in your profession? Okay, to be honest, I think family had a lot to do with this. Um, like I said earlier, I've had a very unconventional growth uh, in my career. I was married when I was in my final year of college and then I did my internship and went back again to do my master's and um, I married into a business family and uh, my, my husband is in the coffee business and we grow coffee so it wasn't very common that people had working wives right. 35 years ago and but he was very supportive and I did start off with my career. I took a break initially because I wanted to spend time with the kids and then I got back in about four or five years after my MD and I, like everybody would know, obstetrics and gynecology is a full-time profession. That There's is. no part-time, you cannot slow down, you cannot. And um, along the way, it was almost like a godsend. I had a call from a class, uh, uh, a senior of mine from college who was practicing uh, infertility and he was moving to Delhi and he want, just asked me if I wanted to take over his practice. And I remember saying, I, you know, in our training, we never really were taught much about infertility in the general obstetrics and gynecology program. So he said, it's not rocket science. You sit with me for six months and you would learn it. And then in those days, there were no fellowships and no um, super specialization in infertility. So I joined him and then 
along the way realized that this is something that I really liked and it would work for me as a balance because I needed to spend time with family as well. And along the way, when I was working with one of the other consultants in Bangalore, uh, I had met a lot of doctors and especially this one person who kind of realized my passion for fertility. And again, it was providential that he called me and he just said, why are you doing laparoscopic surgeries and why are you doing obstetrics? Quite obviously, your passion is infertility. Why don't you train in infertility and, you know, so that for me was a defining moment and I, he's part of my daily prayers literally and I thank him every day for making me make this complete career change and then of course Nova came along and uh, it's been, I've never looked back since. So it's, it's been a lovely journey and I have no regrets about this, the change I made. I love what I do. I love being able to bring happiness into the lives of these people and I'm just grateful for where I am today. Doctor, in your career of uh, 25 years plus, um, could you pinpoint a success story or a challenging moment that has shaped your career? Uh, well, I again, I wouldn't say there has been one moment that really shaped my career. I think as doctors, we learn every day. We learn every day on the job from everybody who works with us. We learn from patients, we learn from colleagues, we learn from our staff. And uh, talking about successes, yes, we all have our successes, especially infertility. It, it's so wonderful to see a patient conceive after years of infertility. And I'm really not going to talk about successes because we all have our successes. And what I'd really like to talk about is a, a story of failure. Uh, I had, you know, uh, I think it was in 21 or 22, it was during COVID, I remember. I had a call from one of my patients, old patients, asking if she could come in to see me. And the only request she had is, she said, uh, Doc, can, you, can I come in when there's nobody at the clinic? Um, so I, we weren't doing that busy OPDs at that time. So I told her I should be done by about 3.30. You can come into the clinic. And um, that was it. So now just to give you a brief background about this patient, this girl had come to me uh, when Nova first started. And we did an IVF cycle for her, and she conceived. And unfortunately, at about eight weeks, she had a miscarriage. Post that, I did another three cycles of IVF for her. I don't exactly remember the details of the treatment, but I know she was with me for almost five years. And we tried everything that was available to us. She was one of those patients who would do anything I asked her. Uh, a very educated couple, but very good with treatment. Anything that was suggested, they were willing to try. And we had, we have plenty at NOVA to offer. And we offered all of that to her. She did all of that, but unfortunately, she didn't conceive again. And um, at no point was there any resentment that, you know, I've done this, I've spent so much, and I didn't conceive. And then she went away. We do keep up with follow up with old patients and they did call her two, three times and she said, I will come back when I'm ready. And unfortunately, post that, you know, we lost touch. And so anyway, she came in at 3.30 that afternoon with this huge big hamper, these boxes of sweets and everything. And, and suddenly in the middle of all that, I see this little carry bag and she's with a little baby who's about 
maybe barely three weeks old and I was quite horrified that at COVID time she actually came in and that's probably why she asked me to come in when she was uh, and this is something that I'll never forget and she says doc I started my fertility journey with you and yes you did everything you could you and your team she mentioned that and she was very happy because a lot of our staff have been with us for many many years and she met them as well and she said we didn't make it here but I wanted you to be the first one outside of the hospital to bless my baby I'm going home to Kerala or Andhra wherever she was going and before I left she just had a cesarean three weeks earlier she brought this little baby and came in and for me that was really the defining moment of my career and it just made me feel that we are doing something right if somebody who'd had four failed IVF cycles with us could come back to say thank you and uh, ask for my blessings, that really, really was a very, Makes very special moment do. for me. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a very heartfelt story, yeah. Doctor. Very heartfelt. Wow, I have literally have goosebumps <laughs> right now. Um, let's delve into your rich experience and hands-on experience in infertility industry. Uh, do you find resistance towards IVF from the couple or the couple's family? Yes, very often. And most of the time it's because of lack of counselling. See, uh, very few people really come to an IVF centre directly unless they have long-standing infertility. Most of them come through gynaecologists where they've had a lot of treatment in the past. Sometimes well explained, sometimes well done. Very often... Um, Gynecologists, with no offense to them, are busy practitioners. They may not have the time that we as infertility consultants spend explaining the fertility procedures and what is required for a patient. So yes, if IVF sometimes is the first line of treatment, which is the case in maybe 20-30% of patients where they have blocked tubes or they have a really bad male factor, they have a very poor ovarian reserve. Now, this category of patients needs IVF directly, a bad endometriosis. And if you suggest it as a first line, yes, there is resentment sometimes and patients think you're just pushing an IVF on them. But I have always found that good counseling is the key. Mm -hmm. If you can explain to a patient why you are doing something and why they need it, most of them do come around. And that's why the first consultation with patients has to be a long consultation. They should never get the idea that, you know, you are just pushing them out of your chamber. Give them all the time you have. Give them, you know, understand. They usually come in with a lot of baggage. They have been battered, bruised by family, you know, by society at large. Sometimes there are issues with the couple. There's a blame game going on. So it's it's all about counselling. It's about the amount of time you take to study their old files, to see what has already been done for them, not to repeat the same thing over and over. And yes, this resentment is there initially, but with time it, it passes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Doctor, IVF and infertility in general is considered and is still considered a taboo in our society. If we were to tackle the stigma of IVF and infertility, who do you think should be educated first? Well, that's a tough one because uh, so often in our practice, we actually have uh, the lady, the patient coming in with their mother. Correct, or, yeah. uh, and they always, when I ask them, where is the husband? They tell me, you know, first you treat us and then I will, he will come. 
And uh, this is something that I always insist, and I think most good uh, infertility specialists would say, infertility is a couple's disease. Mm. You have to see them as a couple. And I always look at the women and say, why are we being our own enemies? And um, the stigma is there at all levels. And maybe we should start with more public awareness that infertility today by, is classified uh, a disease by the WHO. Hmm. So look at it like any other disease. And this is something I always use when I counsel patients. I said, if someone has cancer or someone has end-stage renal disease, you take treatment for it, right? Yeah. So look at infertility too like just any other illness and take treatment for it. And if one treatment is not working, you need to move to the next treatment because that's the way it is with anything. If you have fever and paracetamol doesn't work, you take something stronger like an ibuprofen. So similarly, with infertility, if you're working on one level and it's not working, then you take the next round of treatment. So the taboos begin at home, with family, with the public, with friends. But what I'm really glad to say is a lot of that is changing now, Simrit. There's much, much, much more awareness. 50% of our patients are from rural setups which maybe 20 years ago, I would say there was less than 5% of my patients who would come from a village. And that is, to a great extent, um, we have to thank all our fertility, uh, all the doctors in the fertility profession, the companies that are in fertility, because we are doing a lot of OPDs in rural areas, in tier two and three cities, and uh, taking treatment out there, training doctors to decide which patients can be treated at their level and which patients need higher levels of treatment who can come into the cities where there are IVF centers. Dr. Age is often considered as a crucial factor in fertility. Uh, can you clarify this for our listeners that how vital is age? Okay. Um, I'll start off by saying I don't know how many people are aware of this, but the number of eggs a woman has is not an infinite number. Uh, we are born with a certain number of eggs and you start releasing those eggs from menarche. Menarche is when you start with your first period. And usually this process goes on till you're in your mid-40s and by which time the egg reserve is over and then in a couple years you attain menopause. Now most people are not aware that mm. about this fact. Mm, right. So as you get older, obviously your egg reserve is going to come down and not only does your egg reserve come down post 35, 37, the quality of your eggs also deteriorates. There is a much higher chance of having abnormal eggs which translate to abnormal pregnancies if you have a child when you are older. And it's a known and proven fact that Asian ovaries, and I guess all of us listening in are, would be Asian, um, age seven years, earlier than Caucasian oh. ovaries. Oh, wow. I don't know if people are aware of this. but So ideally, a 42-year-old European or American woman we'll has the same fertility potential as we would have at 35. Mm. And that is something we don't understand when we are busy for aping the West and a lot of things we do. And so uh, today people are getting married that much later, starting families that much later than 20 or 30 years ago. And there's Correct. nothing wrong with that. But we need to understand that uh, to, be, to have a fertility potential at the best, we should have children when we are younger. For men and for women? Yes, for men, semen production happens their whole life. 
uh, post 45-50, the quality of the sperm may come down, but yes, they do produce sperm all their life. They are always luckier. <laughs> Uh, doctor, what about families who are prioritizing their career over starting out a family? What kind of options do you recommend to them? Um, are there options available yes. for them to have a healthy pregnancies for whenever they want to start their yes. journey? Now, uh, here, let me not just talk about families and I, I presume you mean couples. Who, couples. There are right. also a lot of single women who are still not married at 34, 35 or are not in a stable relationship as yet and mm. yes there are fertility preservation options which they should consider. I am not saying everybody who is 35 needs to come in and freeze their eggs but the message here is that everybody needs to have a checkup needs to assess their fertility potential which can be done by a simple blood test and a scan which is done by the fertility consultant and then we could assess what your ovarian reserve is like I said we have a finite ovarian reserve it's not so looking at a person's uh, ovarian reserve then the consultant can decide whether this person needs to actually look at freezing her eggs and keeping her fertility options open for later mm. on if you are single and like I said not in a stable relationship or don't have a partner then you can freeze oocytes mm -hmm. or if you are in a uh, in a marriage and you still think that you're not ready for whatever reason mm. um, not to have a child right now you can freeze your embryos and have them transferred later don't get me wrong I am not advocating social freezing over here but it's not for me to be judgmental about when a person is ready to start a family. Maybe they have genuine um, reasons. reasons but for. there are options available yes, out there. Yes, there are op options available. In the past, we did it only for fertility preservation for people who were suffering from malignancies or other diseases where we know going down the line, they won't have any eggs or sperm left. But today, we do it also for social reasons because the entire... Uh, lifestyle has changed people more women are out in the workplace more they're getting married much later so today I think social freezing there is a place for social freezing and you know people need to know that they have their options and if they need to use them yeah ladies are you listening you can have your cake and eat it too doctor fear and uncertainty often surround IVF uh, treatment how do you approach patients who are scared and what are the most commonly asked questions for a person who's just coming out to seek help? Um, again, I go back to the thing that it's all about counseling and about spending time with patients. Uh, there are different kinds of fears that patients carry. Sometimes it's uh, even a simple thing like physical intimacy is a fear. They've not even consummated their marriages. And then very often it's about IVF technology, about what we offer and um, what, you know, is out there for them to do. One of the biggest fears that patients have, especially when they come to an IVF center, was would they be a mix-up of gametes? Would mm. we use, you know donor sperm would we use donor eggs and um, this is something I'm very proud to say that we get asked much less now at NOVA because I think out there people have also know that with NOVA it's all about being ethical mm -hmm. and um, and I'm sure many good fertility centers also follow the same practices but um, Yes, that was one of the biggest concerns patients had about mixing up gametes. 
the other thing is about having that ivf gives them abnormal children children with abnormalities does oh. ivf you know because you're meddling with an egg and you're meddling with a sperm so again when you take the time to explain to them show them evidence that the incidence is not that much higher and you know things like that they do come around they do come around uh, doctor ivf is a very uh, is considered to be a very long drawn process which takes a toll on the couple um true if you were to give an advice to the couple who is thinking of uh, starting out their journey or are in their journey what would be that one advice for you to impart hang in there i've seen hang with my there. experience that 80% of people who come to you for treatment and continue with the treatment will get pregnant um i always tell patients i'm not god i cannot promise you a 100% success rate i promise you i will do my 100% so we always have that 20 or 30% of patients who may not make it and to them also i am saying um you know keep trying do if if it's possible financially or otherwise and emotionally too this is an extremely stressful process so yeah. we do have counselors in the lab in in the centers and these counselors make a big difference they you know they they are the liaison between us and the patient and they do you know help the patient on this journey and my advice to every patient is keep trying you will succeed and um, to those who don't make it from the bottom of my heart i wish that every couple out there who's trying for a pregnancy makes it and has the joy being a mother i know what it means to have a ba- have the joy of having a child but if you don't make it mm. i i do believe there is some a bigger power than us and maybe there's a different plan written for you there there is so many other options available right. there's surrogacy so there's adoption and even if you don't have a baby you have a life this yeah. is not the be all and end all but i i sincerely and honestly hope that all the patients out there who are trying for a pregnancy make it sometime so hang in there and i'm sure you will have your bundle of joy someday uh, doctor um, as a first uh, line of treatment in ivf uh, is ivf actually the first line of treatment no. when a couple comes to you could you break it down for a layman uh, what actually happens if i have a problem and if i'm not being able to have kids if a couple does come to you how okay. would you approach that situation from okay uh, so to explain that i'd start with the definition of infertility mm-hmm. now infertility means when you've been sexually active for a year without contraception mm-hmm. and you still haven't conceived now that is the textbook definition of infertility but you have to look at three things when you examine any couple or decide on treatments one is the age of the couple uh, lady right. lady especially mm-hmm. the duration of the married life mm-hmm. and the cause of the infertility now if a 40 year old came to me they're just married for 2 months and they i'm not going to send them home i mm. know their fertility potential is impaired because she's 40 they may be married only for 2 months i'm not going to say go home try naturally and come back after a year right. at the same time i may not tell them to go for an ivf directly but with each couple you have to decide based on these parameters that mm. who needs treatment immediately and who needs you know to try naturally or other thing now again you when you come to treatment everybody is not a candidate for ivf immediately 20 to 30% of patients yes maybe 
like uh, people with damaged tubes, people who have a very bad male factor, who have very severe endometriosis, mm. who have a very low ovarian reserve. Now, these are the patients, irrespective of age, irrespective of duration of married life, these are the patients who directly should be taken up for IVF. And there are many other reasons as mm -hmm. well. But there are a lot of other patients where we can try simpler treatments. Um, for example, a patient who's primary reason for infertility is sexual dysfunction. Mm. Now, they may not need an IVF. They mm. may need to be counseled about whatever the sexual dysfunction is. And sometimes they may just conceive naturally. Mm. Or you may need to do something called ovulation induction for patients who have polycystic ovaries. They only are not forming eggs. Mm. So for them, the initial line of treatment may be just get to get them to form eggs then you may just add an IUI, an intrauterine insemination mm -hmm. to that. Of course, if all of these don't work, then you move on to an IVF. Having said that, uh, I would like to say that we shouldn't be doing the same thing over and over again if it's not working. You have sit with the patient, make a treatment plan based on their parameters and based on the age and everything else so that if this doesn't work, we move to the next step and then we move to the next step. Yes, with an IVF, time to pregnancy is definitely reduced. Success rates are much, much higher than with the simpler treatments. Mm. But everybody who walks into the clinic doesn't need an IVF. Mm. You have to be ethical to decide who goes for an IVF mm. when. Yeah. And on the other hand, I believe you will also have patients who've done their homework from, I don't oh, know, from multiple me. sources yes. and have come with a certain <laughs> set of uh, prescription from their yes. end, yes. being home doctors. How do you deal with that? Okay, I think that needs a lot of maturity. Uh, I, deal, I dealt with them very differently 10 years ago than when I deal with them now. 10 years ago, I was much more aggressive and I would try to take them on with them. Now I just sit back, listen to what they have to say and very sweetly, you know... <laughs> Kill them with Yeah, yeah. Tell them that, <laughs> yes, I've listened to you. Now can I have my chance to talk? And again here, it's all about counseling. And these are the kind of patients who need at least three or four visits with you before they even... Build that rapport yes, because trust. maybe also they have been from one doctor to another and they've yeah. been... Battered know, and bruised. Yeah, yeah. And, and they come yeah. aggressive. They yeah. come... They want to show you that they know everything. Uh, they have read up, but I, unfortunately, it's not so easy to practice medicine. Then everybody would have been a Google doctor, yeah. which, which is are, the case which everybody now. Is. But again, here, I think it's just, you know, there are some people I know who definitely need an IVF. But they will insist at the end of this one-hour conversation that I have had with them. The question is, but doctor, can't I conceive naturally? Mm. So earlier, I would have broken into another speech. So now I tell them then you don't need me. Please go home, try naturally, and if you, whenever you're ready, come back. So then, you know, yeah. there's, they kind of laugh or whatever. And more, you, we can't yeah. push anything on anybody. It's all about counseling them. And uh, sometimes they insist on doing an IUI when I know that, I know in my heart that they are never going to conceive from an IUI. But experience has taught me that sometimes I have to take a step back, let them go with what they have want, and by the next cycle, they have changed their mind. Mm. And that happens very often with patients with low reserves who have to go for a donor gamete. Mm -hmm. They want that one last chance to try with their own eggs, you know, because they believe that would give them closure. And that's yeah. something I have learned 
with experience that that does matter because 10 years down the line they look back and say i had i tried everything it didn't work that's why i whereas if you don't they always carry this regret that maybe i should have tried maybe yeah. i would and have that, been in that that, that yeah that, that 5% who would have made it right. so these are lessons you pick up over the years and all of us do i mean as long as our medical parameters and our ethics don't change our approach to patients definitely change as a as a practice matures i would say yeah that's that's yeah. it's important once you close the full circle of yeah. having tried all the options yeah. yes. oh, that's good to know doctor dr rodriguez your expertise and thoughtful insights have been enlightening um thank you so much for being a part of this special first episode of fertility tales thank you for having me on this and i i really hope that's people benefit from what we've discussed here today <laughs> that's true yeah. to our valued listeners Thank you for tuning in to Fertility Tales powered by Nova IVF. Your journey towards understanding IVF has just started here and we'll continue to be with you every step of the way. Please subscribe and stay connected for more episodes. Until next time, take care and stay hopeful. <laughs>